to the Mavs Moneyball podcast. This is Josh Boehm, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyball.com. Joining me this week, uh, as we kind of did last year around the same time, it's one of our staff writers and draft experts. It's Jordan Brodus. Jordan, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, we did a couple of pods this time last year. It was a lot of fun because I have severely fallen off keeping up with college basketball and it's hard for me to just pay attention to this stuff uh, yeah. when trying to watch the Mavs. And I know that you do. And we got Ian on our site who does it as well. Yeah. And you two do an awesome job kind of tag teaming our draft coverage. And I learned a lot last year uh, past, yeah. you know, Luca, you know, learned a lot about those second round guys that they didn't pick any of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it was, yeah, but it was still fun. Uh, it's fun to learn about these guys. So. Yeah, as long as you like, don't get uh, too attached to anyone ahead of time. Uh, I I have a good time digging into it, for sure. Uh, so with this weekend, we've got the Sweet Sixteen, the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. I guess they call it like the third weekend now because of the play-in games, right? Oh, sure. Or yeah. whatever they whatever they call it now. But right. it's the second full weekend of the NCAA tournament that's uh, starting this weekend. This will be up on a Thursday, so there'll be some games going on soon. Uh, with that, I figured we could first kind of talk about there is a possibility that somehow uh, didn't seem like a possibility in December, but the Mavericks have some chance at keeping their pick this year. Uh, there's a chance they could get a pick in the top five. It's not a great chance, but with the way they've been losing games over the last month and a half, there's certainly some chance, you know, but yeah. close to 30, 35, 40 percent chance, depending on where they ultimately fall. Uh, so while it's not likely that the Mavericks keep their pick, it's more likely than it's ever been. So it's it's likely enough that we have to like pay attention to this stuff again. Sure. Um, so Jordan, with the teams remaining in the tournament, I, I, obviously everyone in the universe, if they get number one, it's Zion, and there's not really much of a debate yeah, about it. Yeah. And with Luke, you know, last year, at least a lot of people, and you know, you, me, Ian, Kirk, and a lot of people. You know, Luca was the obvious number one, but yeah. there was at least more of an argument. You know, that draft class was just so stacked with sure, yeah. you know, Trey Young and Bagley and Aiton and Jaron Jackson. Um, so this year, it's it's a lot more clear cut. It's Zion. There's not really anything to debate. The only thing you could debate is what would happen if the Mavericks got the pick and maybe like traded it for Anthony Davis or something crazy like that. Sure. Uh, which I don't want to talk about because I don't want to put that <laughs> negative energy into the universe right yeah. now. Uh, I know you probably feel the same way, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess I will uh I will never uh be surprised if if the Mavericks tried to pull some fast one or try to outsmart themselves, but um I think it's too obvious that uh it would have to be Zion and it wouldn't be Zion to then move him somewhere else. You would just you to to luck into that situation would just be too good. Right. So I don't really want to focus on it too much because it's yeah. so it's so unlikely, but it, yeah. you know, Hey, they might get through two through five. And that's where I think it gets interesting because the draft, it really feels like there's the Zion tier and then there's a giant Valley and then there's the rest of the yeah. rest of the picks. So two through five, I have my idea and I think it's, I think I've come around to your line of thinking and uh, for, for who you would take if the Mavericks got two, um, but who playing this weekend, you know, in that two through five range, uh, 
of the teams remaining in the tournament, who's some, who's your favorite guy that you think like Mavericks fans should watch if they haven't watched a lot of college basketball or, you know, who are you going to be keeping an eye on and who's your favorite? Yeah. Um, I think it starts with Jarrett Culver at Texas tech. Um, I, for most of the season, I was, uh, I think I was standing pretty hard for uh, Deandre Hunter at, at Virginia. If the Mavericks somehow got a top five pick um, because he, I think he has like some very interesting like utility man versatility and like a high floor to be a really, really good fit next to Luca. And he, that was before Porzingis was even in the picture, but even still with Porzingis, I think he could be a pretty interesting player to pair next to both of them. And you just have like a really big, long athletic uh, front court, but um, watching more of Jared Culver, man, he's, he's sold me. I, I think that he is um, – he's – well, first of all, he, we talked about this, I think, on uh, the uh, site Slack over the weekend. But, like, he's definitely bigger than what he's he's been listed at, at least at the beginning of the season. He's put on some muscle this year and maybe even grown a little bit. He looks really big out there compared to a lot of the college players, and he's using that to his advantage. Um, and I think he just – he would be – he would be kind of an ideal uh, big athletic guard to have next to Luca long term because he could uh, provide the defense um, that maybe Luca can't provide. Or, uh, I mean, it, it's no secret the Mavericks have a number of uh, small point guards and guards, and they're playing guys um, up positions where they probably should be playing back positions. Um, and Culver would be sort of the antithesis to that. He would be big and long. He's aggressive on the glass. And he also, I think, he, he has a ceiling to provide some like secondary playmaking. And for those reasons, I think uh, that's why I've bumped him up to my number two. And that's, that's like number two uh, for players that are remaining and number two in this draft um, I, I think he's just, I think he's a fascinating player and I think he still has room to grow. Yeah. It's, you, we talked, you just mentioned it about his size. Uh, I think he's listed at six, six and I don't want, I, I haven't watched him all year because, you know, like I said, up front, just disclaimer, I just do not watch a lot of college basketball, Yeah, but when I watched him against Buffalo, it was, you know, I'm looking at his, you know, box score, his profile on, on ESPN or whatever I was on. And you know, it says six six, and I look at the TV, and I look back, and it says six six, and I look yeah. back at the TV, and I'm like, he he legitimately looked like a parent playing against like kids in the driveway. Just yeah. I don't know what it was. I don't know if yeah. it was the camera angle or whatever, but he, you know, just like you said, he is bulk. He is pretty bulky, you know, yeah, from like a muscle, like a strength weight, and he looks tall. Like he just he looks like he's six eight, six eight. Or six yeah. nine. I don't know what it is. I, I, I and I don't know. I mean, like maybe six six is fair. There's no way he's one ninety five though, which I think is where he's listed pretty much everywhere. He, that's like the most muscular one ninety five I've ever seen. So yeah. uh, I, I'm very curious to see uh, what he actually measures at. In I assuming he's at the combine and does uh, decides to go through like the measurement process. Um, I think that that that'll be interesting to watch because there's no way he's the size that he's listed at right now. And that's what, you know, what the Mavericks really need next to Luca is they definitely need another, another 
kind of rangy four that's kind of the antithesis of Luca and is more defensive, maybe defensive oriented yeah. and can spot yeah. up around him. Um, yeah, I mean, I will, I will say if we're going to, since you brought that up, his shot still leaves something to be desired. That's the, that's where his biggest area of growth is needed. And that's where um, I think some people would point to uh, even uh, going back to DeAndre Hunter, Hunter's just like raw three point shot statistics. They're pretty conservative. He's not taking a lot of shots, but uh, his numbers are, are better. His averages is, is a lot better. Culver, his shot, it looks like it needs some development um, and the numbers would, would back that up also. So that was like, that was the one thing that I hesitated with at the beginning of the year with him is, is can his outside shot grow? Can it be more than what it is now? I don't know that I have the answer for that now. I don't know how, if I can project that in any way, um, cause it's a little iffy, but he does, provide uh he's got pretty decent vision and can go off the dribble pretty well and and because he is so strong he can go through traffic and is and is decently athletic through traffic um but if if we're gonna like point out a a question mark and maybe why mavericks fans would be a little hesitant uh because i know there is a growing uh desire from at least the fan base to like literally fill the roster with just guys that can hit three point shots that so Luca can kick out. Uh, and, uh, and so I would say that's, that's maybe the one thing that, that I would say needs some development, but otherwise uh, I think he's a great compliment to Luca on the perimeter. And you mentioned surrounding Luca with a bunch of three point shooters and they absolutely need to do that. Uh, something that I've argued, and I know, I think you've backed me up on this and, and other people have talked about, certainly not a unique take, but it's something I've been, thinking about for the last three or four months, especially since they've made all these trades and they've been playing, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba and, and more of these guys, the Mavericks definitely need at, at least bare minimum, one more guy that can, can make some plays next to Luca. Yeah. And it seems like Culver is that, it seems like that's an area that he's improved on, you know, yeah. this year, maybe yeah. not necessarily enough to be like, Hey, you can run a team, but it seems like he's, certainly elevated his game enough to be a guy that could be a secondary playmaker and, and take some of the pressure off of Luca, you know, maybe not a big assist guy, but someone that could at least run a pick and roll when he's, when Luca kicks it out and, and do some, do some work there. So I think that's just as important as finding a spot up guy next to Luca to play with. They need someone that can also attack closeouts and attack the space that Luca creates when he eventually gets double teamed, because that's been happening a lot. And, you know, God bless Dorian Finney-Smith and, and how hard he works, but he's not that guy. Right. Um, and then, you know, they've, the other guys that can maybe do that on this roster are Devin Harris, who's going to retire, J.J. Brea, who has a bum Achilles, and maybe Jalen Brunson, who has been really good in the last month and a half. But do you still feel like they kind of need one more? And, you know, that's kind of what I think. But do you, do you think Culver is for real there, at least? Yeah, I mean, if you watch the Tech games right now, and it'll be interesting to see because they're—I mean—they're known as a defensive team, and so is Michigan. Michigan's a defensive team, and so it's going to be interesting to watch that matchup um, when they play each other. They play—I uh, think tomorrow night, or I guess when you're listening to this tonight, they'll be playing um, to see 
what Michigan does to try to contain Culver because Tech is had I mean he is the playmaker right now. He's the guy that's bringing the ball up almost every possession. He's the one that's you know uh, trying to penetrate defenses and kick out to shooters. I mean he's their guy. So um, for him, I mean it would be a great situation I think for Culver to be in Dallas where he wouldn't have to be that guy because I don't think that he is the primary playmaker that a team would need. Um, but he can create for other, for other people. And so I think, and, and I think, uh, he also provides a lot of really solid rebounding from the guard position, which the Mavericks need help at any position pretty much at this point, uh, next season for, uh, on the, on the rebounding front. So, uh, I, I think he provides a lot of the things that Dallas would need, um, I guess if he projects, if you're saying it's a lottery pick and he projects as a starter, you'd really have to make sure that you're finding uh, two other players in free agency that are reliable shooters right now, just so you're not putting all of the outside shooting pressure on Porzingis and, and Doncic. But um, but yeah, no, I, I, think, I think he's the real deal. Um, and I think he does a lot of the things that like, premier wings need to do in the NBA already. Um, and then if he were to, if he were to be able to, to uh, improve that shot, it's just icing on the cake. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I feel. And I think that's where I've been leaning, you know, hearing you and Ian and others talk about it. He's, he's definitely the guy I would want at two barring the, let's just take out the hypothetical of the Mavericks trading the pick. If it's two through five, um, uh, just just for fun so we can at least talk about this stuff <laughs> yeah. but um the other guy i'm interested in because like i said I, I just don't watch as as much as i should and trying to take in this guy through twitter is hilarious but rj barrett uh sure. from duke mm-hmm. is another guy that's in that two to five who's certainly in play in that two to five range but if you only read twitter you would think he is like the love child of andrew wiggins and harrison barnes <laughs> and it's i don't you know, deny that, you know, uh, a lot of people that a lot of smart people that write and, and that are on Twitter and, and, and break down this stuff, make really convincing arguments on how, you know, he's just not, he's not worth the hype and he's not worth, you know, not necessarily saying he's going to be a terrible NBA player, but you know, he's not a guy that you will take in the top five and can put, you know, pin your franchise on. Yeah. And, you know, I see a lot of the clips, you know, of him taking horrible shots and having tunnel vision. And it certainly does remind me of, you know, Barnes and Wiggins. Uh, so I kind of want to get your take as someone that's definitely watched more college ball than me and, and is paying attention to this more. You know, is is that accurate about Barrett or are you a little more high on him? Do you have a little more optimism or do you really think, you know, he's certainly a guy that should be drafted in the lottery, but should be steer cleared from the top five? Well, I mean, I guess the first thing I'll say, I said I have Jared Culver at two, and I do. I, I mean, I, I believe that. Um, and I guess that's probably more with the Mavericks in mind instead of the general NBA um, thought process. Um, but uh, I think it, it will not be surprising to me after Zion is drafted that one of R.J. Barrett or John Morant are taken second. Um, because I think that they are, they present like some dynamic playmaking 
and the ability to be the um, primary scorer on a team. And when you're picking that high in the draft, that's the kind of stuff that you're looking for. Um, so uh, me having Culver at two is different than probably most of what most boards would have. They probably have the two of them at two and three in some order or another. Um, I think that Barrett, I'm, I'm interested to see what would happen. What's what, what will happen to him next season when he's in maybe a better offensive system and a better NBA offense. I mean, there's, you look at plenty of, uh, the, uh, draft experts and analytics nerds and all of those guys that are uh, on Twitter and they'll dig into like the advanced numbers on the kind of offense that Duke is running. And it's just not a really good system for the players that they have. I mean, specifically for, for Zion, but sort of for the entire roster. Um, And it really speaks to the talent level of the team and as a whole uh, that they have been as successful as they are because they as a team, they shoot horribly from the outside. They're just, it's just not like a a modern offense, just not uh, whether it's college or NBA. Um, But I'm curious to see what happens to Barrett. If he's, if he's in a, in a better system, Um, if he's not, I mean, it's still, it's, it's run through him right now. So it's not like he's not getting his touches. I think the concern uh, if you're looking at for the Mavericks or the concern for any NBA team that decides to take him is just can he only be effective if he is shooting at a high volume because he's taking a lot of shots he's not connecting from the outside he's not a good free throw shooter Um, he can make plays Uh, I mean between him Reddish and and Zion on Sunday all three of them made huge plays at the final 90 seconds of that game uh, I mean, Zion got the highlight at the end there, but Barrett had the putback, you know, just after that, whether it was an offensive foul or not is beside the point. But, uh, you know, he makes plays, and there's a reason that he is uh, is being hyped the way that he is in some circles. But uh, specifically for the Mavericks, yeah, I'm I'm steering clear from that. I think if... <laughs> If you, I mean, I don't know if he is exactly Harrison Barnes and uh, whatever opinions you have about Harrison Barnes aside, I don't think you want to be drafting a guy that uh, might be his most effective if the ball is in his hands and not in Luca's hands. That makes a lot of sense. And I think when you look at like comparing him to like a Wiggins, which is I think the kind of the the hot kind of hot take about uh-huh. what Barrett can become yeah. it certainly seems like the one there's definitely a lot of similarities but it seems like the one difference is that barrett seems to i don't i don't want to say wiggins doesn't care but there's definitely you know that that unden, unquantifiable motor quality to a player it seems like barrett at least has that yeah a little bit more than than maybe like a wiggins did yeah i mean if you watch him you see flashes of why he has been you know why he was uh ranked as highly as he was coming into school, um, why he's remained uh, a a huge figure this season in college basketball. Um, I mean, he's held his own even when, I mean, Zion is clearly the best player on that team, but he is still contributing in a major way. Um, I just think that there's a lot of questions about what 
how effective he'll be as a scorer, not necessarily his skill level, but just uh, his decision making. Um, and if is it going to require him to be, you know, jacking up a ton of shots every night to get his numbers? Not because he won't make plays for other people, but just because for him to to be at his most effective, he would have to just be shooting a lot of shots right now. And that's what it looks like to me. Excellent. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. And I think, you know, we'll actually talk a little bit about the pick that, that we know the Mavericks have in the second round. And, and we'll get your thoughts on some of those, some of those guys. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right. We're back with Jordan Brodus. Uh, we're talking draft. Uh, the Mavericks are not likely to have their first, their pick in the first round, but they could. So we just got through talking, uh, some of the potential guys in that two through five range. I know we kind of did the speed version of it going through Jared Culver and a little bit of, uh, uh, Deandre Hunter from Virginia, and then talking about RJ Barrett and Duke and, and his potential. Now I want to go to the pick that the Mavericks are pretty much guaranteed to have their second round pick. Uh, they, it's got some protections on it to golden state, but it is top 50. 55 protected from the Bogut trade. So they are pretty much guaranteed to keep that pick and it should be a pretty decent pick, you know, in the thirties, you know, close, you know, hopefully, you know, the higher, you know, maybe in the upper thirties, well, lower thirties, I guess I'm like thinking of it backwards, Uh, but it should be a pretty good pick. Um, You know, second round picks are definitely not as much of a throwaway pick as they used to be, you know, even five, six, seven, eight years ago. Uh, but even this is a weak draft. So, you know, the depth is even being questioned, you know, in the lottery. So Jordan, who are some guys that are playing this weekend that you think uh, could be potential fits for, for that second round sure. pick? Yeah. I mean, I think there's gotta be at least five or six guys that are somewhere around that fringe of the end of the first round into the second round that I find pretty interesting. I mean, altogether there's probably, I mean, first and second round prospects that are still left in the tournament, there's still probably 20, 25 guys. Um, And there's maybe 15 of those that are kind of peppered throughout the entire second round. Um, I think that if you were to kind of key in on a couple of guys, uh, I would start with uh, Admiral Schofield at Tennessee. Um, I think he is an interesting well, and he may not be the top of my list uh, of these players, but he's an interesting guy on a pretty exciting team right now. Uh, they'll have a pretty tough test against Purdue, I think. And uh, to see whether or not he can maintain uh, his offensive game while staying out of foul trouble. Um, he has some questions about his athleticism and, and his the defensive side of the ball and, and what he can do there. Um, but he's got a pretty solid outside shot. Um, and he's got a huge NBA body that is, you know, he, he looks ready for the NBA in that regard. Um, so he's an interesting guy to keep track of, um, along with his, his teammate who is definitely a first round pick in Grant Williams. Um, I would also keep track of, uh, Cam Johnson at, at North Carolina. He's an older prospect and that's one of the reasons that he is, uh, probably not being consistently seen in the first round. Um, but I would be surprised if he's actually still around for this pick, um, even though he's still sort of projected in that area. Um, cause he's, he's long, 
Um, and he's got a, a pretty killer outside shot as well. Um, and then outside of that, I would say Ty Jerome at Virginia. He's uh, He can be an on-the-ball, off-the-ball guard. Uh, he's 6'5". He's got good size. Um, he's, he's high IQ. Um, he's another guy that can hit outside shots. That's kind of the theme of these early second-round picks. I think, um, you know, obviously uh, players and wings especially that can – uh, be effective from the perimeter on the offensive side and then provide some sort of defense on the other end. They're going to be valuable. So even in a weak draft, I think it still pushes. This is kind of the area where you can find those players. It's where a lot of the uh, the wings that were this type last year were drafted, uh, even if the, <laughs> the Mavericks did not. Um, so I think that's, that's what you'll be seeing a lot of. Uh, those three guys, uh, and then Okiki at Auburn. He's sort of a, a bigger forward type wing, but he's also got a really solid outside shot, high IQ player. He can play both sides of the ball. Um, so the, yeah, there's a, there's a variety of picks or a variety of players that um, if I'm the Mavericks, I'm tuning in for this weekend. And who do you think of those guys? Like who's your pet favorite that, you know, or is your pet favorite for that second round pick, you know, not even in the tournament? Like who, like who is someone that I know. That's a good question. Yeah. There's still a lot of time till, till June, but who have you been kind of zeroing in on, you know, in that range? Um, I mean, I think everyone uh, would hope that Matisse Thibel at, uh, at a Washington, um, he's a pretty interesting, uh, he's an, he's a, he's a senior. Um, he, I have more questions about his, uh, offensive game. Um, but he's, his defense is, uh, is pretty remarkable. And he was very effective throughout the tournament when Washington was playing at, uh, just being a ball stopper everywhere. Um, so for, he, he was the guy that I was tracking for, for a long, a long time, um, and then also Lugens Dort out of Arizona State. He's like a really stocky, muscular shooting guard. Plays both sides of the ball really well also. But of the players that are left, um, gosh. You know, I I think I would probably say if, uh, if Cam Johnson uh, slipped to the second round, he'd be the one that I'd, I'd definitely uh, want the Mavericks to to pick up just because he's he's big and he can just shoot the lights out of the ball. I think for a while I had Ty Jerome, and while I think the Mavericks are going to need that secondary secondary uh, ball handler on the floor, I don't know that you're going to get that value uh, in the early second round. I mean, we're seeing it with Jalen Brunson right now, but I don't know that I'd want the Mavericks to pick up another point guard slash shooting guard early in the second round, two seasons in a row, but I was the one that was yelling about having a small forward or a wing of some type all last year. So I, <laughs> maybe I'm the wrong person to ask about that. Cause I would not be surprised if the Mavericks, you know, did something similar again. Hey, Devin Harris is retiring. They got to get another one in. There's <laughs> going to be an open roster spot for another, another two way yeah. combo guard. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think that, um, I think whether it's it's Cam Johnson, uh, I I do like Admiral Schofield. He would be fun to have. He's just a he's a a big guy. I think they the Mavericks. I mean, I I guess you have to to coach what you're you're good at coaching, and they seem to be really good at coaching small guards. But I would love to see them 
even if if they don't have that that lottery pick, I would love to see them pick up um, some kind of wing that can shoot the ball. That I mean, that would really be if there were there were two things that I could to that I could pick from that second round uh, that second round pick. It would have to be a guy that's like at least six four, six five, hopefully bigger. And that can shoot the three. Yeah, I think that's that's you and the general managers of thirty teams in the NBA. Yeah. Well, maybe twenty nine because the Mavericks didn't want to do that last year. But uh, it's certainly the hot commodity. And I mean, yeah. there and there are options. I mean, I I haven't spent a whole lot of time tracking um, what last year's draft class, what the rookies this year are doing that were drafted around that time, because there was a lot of wings coming off the board around that time. Um, last summer when they took Jalen Brunson. Um, but the, the, while the quality is probably not exactly the same, you have to do a little more digging. There's some guys there. And and I think there are also some guys that are, like I pointed out a couple times right there, there's a couple guys that are older. And I think the Mavericks like that. I think they like to have players that can come in and compete and be ready and have experience. Um, whether it's at the top level of college basketball or not, guys that are going to come in and like work that like know working hard and can earn their way into the roster. Um, and there's a lot of, I mean, it's it's not uncommon to see older players get drafted around this this window anyway. But there's a handful of of junior and senior uh, wings that'll be available at the top of the second round. Um, that I'd be very interested to see uh, how they work in Dallas. Uh, so uh, uh, one thing I'm wondering with Cam Johnson, uh, he's out of UNC, right? Yeah. Uh, so what do you, you know, the one thing I worry about with these these guys that get drafted their junior or senior years, you know, you'll get sometimes you get a Brunson who comes in and kind of knows the game already and, and can pick it up and play. Yeah. And then other times, you know, just staying on the Mavericks roster, you got a Justin Jackson who, well, is it, you know, horrible, but yeah. you could definitely see like the, the ceiling is just, you feel like it's already kind of, of tapped out there, you know, the potential. Sure. Do you see any of that with like Cam Johnson or, or, you know, is it, is it hard, you know, how hard is it to judge these guys that have been in the league in, in college for three years and, and wondering, well, where do they go from here? And, and trying to trying to figure that out. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think if there was something that's, that's preventing Johnson from being project, projected as a, uh, as a first round draft pick, which like I said, I mean, he, he had a, a monster game uh, coming into the tournament to wrap up their, their conference tournament. He had a huge game and it sort of shot him up some draft projections um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that continued, if, if North Carolina continues to have a, a long run, if they make it through this weekend and he gets to showcase uh, himself a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, especially for for Cam Johnson, who has, he's now, I think he's 23 maybe. Uh, he, cause he was at Pitt for uh, two plus seasons. Um, there's, there's probably valid questions about like what can he provide past uh, shooting and can he improve upon the other aspects of his game or is this sort of what we have? I think that's a valid question for him. I think he's showing that he's he's valuable in a number of different ways. 
but uh, it, it wouldn't be surprising to me to see teams pass on a player like that because of that reason. I think he is probably locked into being a role player and that's perfectly fine. Um, I mean, specifically to, to, uh, you know, the Justin Jackson types, uh, he, you know, he had a, a great college career, um, that was capped off, I think with winning the championship, uh, in that tournament, that, that season, his final season. Um, but he was also, I think probably drafted a little high that, that year. I don't remember who was around him at that time in that draft class, but, uh, yeah, I, I think there there's valid questions about the the age and um, growth potential of an older player like Cam Johnson, but I I think you also have to look at like, uh, you know, can he provide one or two things to this team uh, over the next several seasons that we don't have on this roster right now? And I think he does that. Um, I think he's, I mean, he's got the shot. And he's got a, a, a solid all-around game. Uh, he's not going to... I don't think you're going to get surprised by him and he's going to reach uh, some significant new level in his game. But, I mean, if you look at this Mavericks roster right now, they are hurting in a number of areas uh, and they need a lot of different things. And so if if the fact that he's a year or maybe even two years older than some of these other prospects is the only thing that's holding you back, uh, at least in Dallas, I don't think that should be an issue because they, they prefer to have uh, seasoned college veterans uh, if they're looking for someone in the draft. For sure. And, you know, especially with the success of Brunson, I would not be surprised if they dipped back into that well for the second round pick. And, and like you said, it seems like that, that range from from you know twenty five to thirty five is like the prime area for for some of these accomplished three or four year college guys to to get picked. So that makes a lot of sense. And like you said, the Mavericks really need a lot of everything, and they definitely need some shooting. Um, if there's one thing I've noticed watching the team since they traded Barnes and since they traded Matthews, you know they've they've put guys into the lineup that are certainly playing the style that they need to play to be yeah. a good team in, in the next year or so. But boy, they can they cannot shoot. And oh. you know Brunson has been good, and Brokoff has been good when he's played. Right. But you know, and Maxi has had an uptick. But you know these are not guys that teams are going to to fear or to to adjust their right. defense over and. Right. You know, Luca has been having such a rough stretch the last, you know, and March has not been a good month for him. And it, uh, I feel like a lot of it is guys just aren't hitting shots. You know, he's whipping passes to the corners, and, and guys are missing open looks. And yeah, I you mean, know, it, it's it's tough. You you need, I mean, you 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 can't fill an entire roster full of guys that can only shoot. You need them to be able to do a couple other things. And my my hunch is. One of the reasons Brokoff wasn't seeing time earlier in the season was maybe because Carlisle had questions about his ability to do anything else but shoot, because I don't think there's any question that he can. Um, and so, you know, they, they, they need players that are doing other things, but they really don't have anyone who you could bring in off the bench. I mean, even in the starting lineup, I guess, at this point, but if you're looking in the second round, you're looking at guys that are going to come off the bench you know, 99% of the time. Um, and they just don't have virtually anyone off the bench that you can say, like, I am confident that they're going to, to hit this shot. Uh, and that's, 
if you're wanting to take, you know, the next big step as a franchise, you've got to have, you know, at least one or two guys that you can bring in and just be, you know, ready and warm to shoot. For sure. Uh, I definitely agree there. And Jordan, thank you for coming on. I know this is kind of a quicker podcast, but I, uh, you know, I appreciate you hopping on and this is exactly what I was hoping for, you know, trying to just learn a little bit more about some of these guys. Cause like I said, you know, I need to do a bit better job of keep paying attention, but this is great. You know, this will be perfect for, for me to take into this weekend and start watching some games uh, tonight as the, the, the next weekend gets underway for the NCAA tournament. So Jordan, thanks again for hopping on, you know, this is fun and we will definitely reconvene when we get a clear picture of the Mavericks draft situation and, and we'll do this again. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And with that, we are done here at the Mavs Moneyball podcast and we will see you next week. Yeah.